You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. How are y'all? Doing good? Y'all ready to go? That was a great time in God's presence this morning in worship. Um, And now we're going to dig into the Word. And so if you have your Bibles, open those up this morning. Excuse me. Open those up to Matthew chapter 17. And um, before we jump in, uh, I do want to just uh, invite you to come be a part of what we're doing Wednesday night. April was talking about what happens the 27th, so a week from. We're going to start our um, group's ministries back up as well as our student ministries. But this Wednesday night, we're going to have our second week of Deeper. And Deeper is a time at the beginning of the year that we've done the last couple of years to come together before we do our midweek stuff. Just as a church to come together And to go deeper into God's presence in the place of worship so that we can hear his voice and be ready for a new season, be ready for a new year. And so this Wednesday night, um, 6.30, right here in the sanctuary, we'll have child care for birth through third grade. We'll be be, uh, broadcasting online so you can tune in um, from wherever you're you're at. But I really want to encourage you to be here and be a part of that because we're going to have a special night of worship and prophetic ministry. We have prophetic teams coming from Trinity Fellowship and they're going to be available um, to minister to each person. Um, it'll go on as long as we, as we can. Children's ministry will shut down at 8 o'clock. And so I just want to encourage you to come be a part of that. It's a powerful thing to utilize the gift of prophecy in your life. You know, what the, what the Bible says is that that gift is alive and well and ready to be used in your life today. Is that if there's any gift that we want to see functioning in the body of Christ, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it's that we would prophesy. So that we can encourage and build up the church. And so I just really want to encourage you to come uh, be a part of that so that we can tune our hearts to what God is saying to us individually for the season to come. Amen? And so I want to talk a little bit, about more, a little bit more about that this morning in today's message. We're going to continue in the series <clears throat> that I've been in titled Press On. And one of the things that we've been, several of the things we've been talking about, let me just kind of recap a couple things real quick before I dive in, is we've been talking about pressing into a new season in 2021. And one of the things that I feel is that we need to lay down the burden to kind of redeem last season in 2020. You know, that's God's job, not ours, to redeem. And so to allow him to do that. And so in order to, to not pick up a burden that we're not supposed to carry, to lay that down at his feet and to expect him to do what he can do, and for us to carry our own load. And so last week we talked about in order to do that, we have to develop a press-on mindset. And Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3. I'll read it to you. It says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. A press-on mindset is what we can do to move out of difficulty and into God's glory. And in order to do that, we've got to forget. We've got to neglect the things that have hindered us in the past, and we've got to begin to reach for the next thing that God has for us. And so this morning, what I want to do is we talk about developing a press-on mindset last week. If we're going to press on to the next thing that God has, the good thing that God has for your life in this moment, then we're going to have to press in. We're going to have to press in close to the Lord and listen for his voice of what he's speaking to us individually and us as a congregation in this season of our lives. And you know, there's a story that Jesus told about this woman that one day came and interacted with him. 
It says that Jesus is right after the feeding of the 5,000. He was walking through the street, and it says that the crowds begin to, to throng about him. And that word throng, it means that they begin to, it was so crowded that they begin to press, crush Jesus and his disciples. They were really uh, eager to get close to Jesus. And there was this woman with a, with a health issue, with an issue of blood that had had this issue, this health issue in her life for years and years and years and years. And she pressed through that crowd to get to the place where she could receive from Jesus what she needed in that moment. That's the picture that I want you to have in your mind as we talk about pressing into what God has for you right now. See, we have to allow God, we have to expect, we have to believe that God's going to do his part because he does the heavy lifting. He's the miracle worker. He's the one with all the power. Amen? But God is expecting us to do our part, as little as that may be, to press into what he's doing and to carry our own load. And so, look at Matthew chapter 7. If we're ready to press on, then it's time to press in. And I want to look at a time, a day in Jesus' life with his disciples and an interaction that they had that's really profound, and that's the transfiguration. I don't know about you, but I can really um, use God to transform some things in my life right now and and, and in the world around us. And so I want you to look at this, verse 1. If you haven't read this story in a while, it's it's really unique. Um, This is Jesus before he's crucified, okay? He's actually fixing to go to Jerusalem. His journey is fixing to take him to the cross. And before he goes to the cross, this really powerful thing begins to happen between him and the Father. And so it says in verse 1, And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him, talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And he was still speaking, Peter was still speaking, when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one else there but Jesus only. And I want you to imagine this scene because it's a really powerful scene. Imagine that you were there that day. See, Jesus went up on this mountain to pray like he he did very often. He would find solitary places for him to pray and interact with his father and to receive from God, okay? And on this occasion, he took his three best friends, Peter, James, and John. And so I just want you to imagine in the scene that you were one of those three, and you got to be there with Jesus when this significant thing happened. It says that as Jesus went up the mountain and that he began to pray, he said that he was transfigured. That word transfigured means to be transformed, metamorphosis. It means that what you see now is not what you saw then. I don't know how many of y'all grew up on toys like I did, but I grew up on G.I. Joe and Transformers. And Jesus had this Optimus Prime moment 
where you are at one minute talking to this ordinary guy who ate fish just like you did, but he had this extraordinary thing happening because he would heal the sick and he would preach and things would happen. And, and there was an undeniable thing on Jesus's life that you knew that he was, he was something special. He was the son of God. But what happened in this moment was they saw it with their eyes. They saw the glorified Lord. And he transformed and, and he changed. I don't know how to, how to explain this, but he changed in such a way that he didn't look like Jesus, the carpenter's son. He looked like Jesus, the son of God. Hallelujah. Said his face, if you could get this in your imagination, his face shone like the sun. I don't know if you can stare at the sun for very long. I haven't tried lately, but it's not safe. Amen, Dr. Tori? <laughs> it's not safe to stare at the sun for very long. Tori said, don't do that. <laughs> okay. You can't look at the sun without having some kind of protection over your eyes. That's what Jesus' face, it was so brilliant and so bright. His clothes changed. And so Jesus is there transformed. And, and in this moment, I can just imagine the reverence that's there. Because not only was Jesus transformed, but something really weird happened. Moses and Elijah showed up. Now, I don't know if you got the memo, but they've been dead for hundreds of years. And all of a sudden, here's Moses and Elijah, and they're sitting there conversing with Jesus. Now, what are they talking about? I, I have opinions, but I don't know. I mean, this, what we do know is that this is the moment before Jesus goes to be glorified, and his glorification came through much suffering. And so I believe, this is just my personal belief, that Jesus needed this moment. You know, Jesus was a man. He's fully God, but he's also fully man. And he needed something to carry him to the cross. And so here's Moses and Elijah. It says that they were talking with Jesus. Amen. Jesus is sitting here receiving something from, from some great men of the kingdom in this moment. And, and, and as profound as that is, here comes Peter. I just, this is, this is laughable, Okay. Because here comes Peter and Moses and Elijah who have been dead for a long, long time are there talking with Jesus and, and Peter interrupts Moses. And he comes up and he's like, hey, this is so cool that we're here right now like, experiencing this with you, Lord. How about we just pitch camp right here and I'll make a special tent for you. I'll make a special tent for Moses and I'll make a special tent for Elijah. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting as you kind of think about that. That as Peter interrupts Moses and Elijah, then God turns around and interrupts Peter. And I think that the thing that I really want you to carry away from this is as powerful as this, this moment is in, in the Bible, as heavy as it is, I think that you need to get the message of what happens to Peter. Because as Peter is there and he's just kind of caught up in the moment and he starts being the blabbermouth that Peter could be and interrupting the moment, God interrupts him and he gives him a really powerful message that I think is really relevant for you and me today. He says, this is my son, listen to him. Listen to him. Now, I'll give you a couple of takeaways that I jotted down as I was reading this. But I want you to kind of think about those words, listen to him. Listening to Jesus is one of the most important things that you can develop in your spiritual walk. You need to hear the voice of God. God is still speaking today and he wants to speak to you. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. 
and they do not follow the voice of a stranger. There are all kinds of voices in the world, and there's also all kinds of voices in the spirit realm. But God, nonetheless, wants to talk to you. He speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us through worship. He speaks to us in prayer. But nonetheless, here's the thing that I want you to understand. Listening to God is a vital part of your walk with Him. Now, if you want to hear God's voice, you've got to stop going through the motions. Think about Peter for just a second, and, and then I'll kind of put this in, in my terminology. But Peter, it's, it's interesting if you read this same story in the Gospel of Luke. Luke has, uh, Luke has this kind of remark that he kind of throws in there. Whenever Peter interrupts Moses and Elijah, Luke writes down, it's like, and Peter didn't know what he was saying. That's why I said that he was kind of, you know, just kind of caught up in the moment. It's like Luke is kind of relaying to you and I that, that, that Peter, in his own way, was just kind of going through the motions. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but Peter was probably one of those guys that just talked all the time. That was the center of attention, that kind of put his foot in his mouth all the time. You know, you know people like that? And in this moment, whenever everything was kind of popped in neutral in his mind, he just begins to talk. Not knowing what he's saying, interrupting the moment. And the thing that I want you to see about that is if you want to hear the voice of God, you've got to listen. You've got to stop going through the motions. Now maybe stopping going through the motions for you isn't talking. Maybe it's being distracted with worry. Maybe it's being distracted with entertainment. Whatever that looks like in your own context Here's the thing that I, I think that you and I have to do is we've got to, if we want to hear God, if we want to listen to what he's saying, then we've got to tune in. We've got to give him our full attention. We've got to be quiet. Second thing, if you want to hear God's voice, you've got to posture yourself to hear. Stop going through the motions and then position yourself to hear. You know, if Peter was postured to listen, he had to be told to listen, but it's like, I cannot imagine how cool it would have been to listen to what Elijah and Moses was telling Jesus before he went to the cross. Amen. Have no idea what that conversation sounded like. But it would have been really great to be a fly on the wall. Here's the interesting thing Peter was. He had been given the opportunity to just eavesdrop. Jesus invited them along for the journey. It would have been really wise for Peter, I don't know what James and John were doing, but to have pen in hand and taking notes and going, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. To take the moment to tune in to what was happening right in front of him rather than just kind of getting lost in the moment and popping it into neutral in his mind and just blathering. If you want to hear the God, you've got to stop going through the motions and you've got to posture yourself to hear. Posturing yourself to hear is really, really important. Jesus said this many times whenever he was teaching a multitude. He would say, he who has ears, let him hear. I think the question for you today is, do you have ears? Do you have the ability? Have you tuned that ability to hear the voice of God for your family, for your life, right now in this moment? See, posturing ourselves to hear requires a quieting in our soul. Do you regularly quiet yourself and put yourself in a position to listen to the Lord? You know, one of the things that I think that we're, we should do, and this is not a knock, and so if you do this, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing because I do it too. As a matter of fact, I would say that the scriptures tell us to do this, is that we come and we bring God our needs. 
That we, this is actually what the book of Philippians says. Is it says, make your requests known to God. Right? And so if a big part of your prayer life is coming to God and saying, God, I need this and I need that and my kids need this, that's a great and godly thing. But listen, it should be equally weighted in your prayer life that you stop and then you wait for a response. That you actively begin to try to listen. Maybe you journal. If that's a great exercise to do in your quiet time with the Lord. A lot of the times whenever I hear God, I hear God through reading my Bible. And I start asking him questions, which is the second thing. If you want to posture yourself to hear the voice of God, then listening is the proper response to questioning. Do you ask God a lot of questions? I would encourage you that you increase the amount of questions that you ask God. Be inquisitive. Be curious. Ask away. He wants to converse with you, but whenever you ask, you've got to quiet yourself and listen for a response. Here's two great questions that I would encourage you. This is, these are two questions I wrote down for Jory. As we step into 2021, that I would encourage you to maybe start asking yourself in your prayer life and just see what God says. First question is this. What needs to die in my life right now? You know, one of the things that's, happened, that's fixing to happen to Jesus, he's fixing to die. He's fixing to go through death. And he has this interaction with, with Moses and Elijah. And it, and it says that Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus. Jesus was listening even. And so it's, I think it's a great thing for you and I to ask. It's like, God, is there something going on in my life right now that you want to stop? That you want to remove? Is there any, any daily habits? Is there any, any um, behaviors? Is there any relationships that you want to change? Is there anything that needs to die in my life? The second question that I'm writing down in my journal to ask God frequently is what are you birthing in me right now? What are you birthing in my life? What, what new thing are you causing to come forth? Because I love the history that I have in God and that prophetic word that April was sharing after worship was so powerful to begin to look back on the history, right, that we have. But I, I also know that I want to, do, to see God do a new thing. To not just cling to the past, but there's something new that he wants to do. There's a new song that he wants to hear heard. And so I just want to encourage you. Those are two things that I just kind of wrote down to, to share with you for free. And so if we're going to hear God, we're going to have to posture ourselves to hear. Now, I want you to turn over to John chapter 13. Because John, and talked about Peter for just a second. Now I want to switch to John. John was great at posturing himself to hear God's voice. If Peter was interrupting God constantly, John was tuning in. As a matter of fact, what, what the Bible tells us is that John, you know, Peter, James, and John were invited. They were the three closest friends of Jesus, but John was the disciple that he loved the most. This was his best friend, the one that was closest to him while he was here on the earth. And there's some things that we can learn from John and one of the things that we can learn from him is that he was really great at posturing himself to hear Jesus, to listen to him. So good that Peter would get John to ask Jesus questions for him. Look at John chapter 13, verse 21. This is the Last Supper. You know the story. Jesus is about to be betrayed by Judas. And Jesus is actually revealing that to the rest of the disciples. Somebody's fixing to betray me. It says in verse 21, After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit 
and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. And one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, he's talking about John. John is talking about himself. Was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to John to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Who is it? Now, if you know the rest of the story, and I'll take the leave from the text for just a second to tell you what happened. Jesus revealed it to him. He said, whoever dips the bread in the cup with me. Now, that, the, the, the latter part of the story is not the thing I want you to focus on. The thing I want you to focus on is John. Here's John, and he's in a room with 12 other of the, the apostles, 12 other people, including Jesus. So there's 13 people in the room, and Jesus and his 12 are sitting there around the table, and John was the closest to Jesus. Not just in relationship, but also in proximity. He was sitting right next to him. As a matter of fact, it says that he was leaning on him. In a couple translations, it says that his head was on his chest. Now, that may be weird for you, but it wasn't back then, I guess. I don't know. The point that I want you to see is John was postured to hear Jesus. So much so that Peter taps him on the shoulder and is like, hey, ask him a question for me. John was so close, he was pressed in. And here's the cool thing about what John did. He, he didn't feel like it taxed his relationship with Jesus to ask him a question at all. He just asked. Hey, John, you ask him who he's talking about. He was kind of revealing this cryptic thing, and John just asked for clarification. He's like, Jesus, who is it? Name him. I wonder. And Jesus did. How many answers are you needing right now that all you need to do is just intimately ask the Lord? He wants you to get to the place in your relationship with him where you feel comfortable and you feel confident to approach his throne because it's a throne of grace with boldness. And to ask, Lord, there's a situation going on with my kids and I need some, I need some wisdom on how to handle this. Ask. Be bold. He loves you. Posture yourself to hear God so you do not have to rely on somebody else to do it for you. I think the, the thing that I, I see in this is that intimacy cannot be developed through a proxy. It can't. You can't develop intimacy with Jesus through somebody else. It doesn't come through me. It doesn't come through your mom or your grandparents. It comes between you and the Lord. And here is this illustration that we have, and it's like John was so good at posturing himself to hear and to be intimate with Jesus that Peter began to try to draw on John's intimacy. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to relate to Jesus and to God through somebody else. The good news of the gospel is the veil has been torn and nobody has to stand as mediator between you and God because he is the mediator for you. And so the thing that you and I should, should really dig deep and go, you know, if I don't have intimacy in my life with Jesus right now in this moment, I want to develop it. I want to fix that. I want to posture myself to hear what he's saying. Posture myself so close to him that I could hear his heartbeat. 
to know what he has for me right now in January of 2021. I want to own my own intimacy with Jesus. I want to hear him for myself. I don't want to just hear about the great things that God has done for others. I want to experience them in my own life. That's available for all of us that are in this place. Nobody here has more right to Jesus than anybody else. The thing, and and April mentioned this earlier, the thing that gets you a relationship with God is faith. You know, the reason that it's the currency of heaven is because you can't actually get in heaven without faith. You have to believe in what he's done. That is the door that you open through. You believe and put your faith in Jesus. And so, listen, if you have faith in Christ, there's nobody that has a a, a more... uh, they have not positioned themselves in a more... Uh, sorry, my, my words just went away and my grammar is gone. <laughs> more is probably not the, the word. A greater opportunity to step into intimacy with Jesus than you. We all have the same opportunity in Christ. Utilize it. Peter had the same opportunity as James and John to sit there and listen to Moses and Elijah. Instead, he started talking and he interrupted the moment. And so one of the things that's kind of really heavy on my heart is that, God, I want to, in this moment, be ready to listen, to posture myself in such a way that I hear what you're doing in Jory's life. And then then it's my job to obey, right? To follow. There was a time, I, I was, this was many, many years ago, April and I were still living in Amarillo, and I had this job opportunity. Um, this is before I went into the ministry. We were probably in our, you know, early 20s. And I was uh, interviewing for this management position in, in the company that I worked for, and, and I had to go to Memphis to do this, uh, this interview, and, and the, the position was going to take us out of Amarillo, uh, if I got it. And I was really conflicted about that. Um, McCoy was super little, um, so we had all of our family there helping with McCoy and all that stuff, and so it was really conflicting for us to move out of Amarillo at that time. And so, um, anyway, I, I went to this interview, and, and I, I, I kind of got this this really excited emotion because what the job that I would be doing got me excited, but leaving Amarillo didn't get me excited. And so I went to church that weekend and actually went up to a leader in my life at the time. He was somebody that was mentoring me and really, and really working with me to kind of grow in some different areas in ministry specifically. And I can remember going to this man and, and asking him to pray for me. And I had this expectation whenever I went to, to ask him for prayer my expectation was, man, I'll go to this guy, and this guy will have the answer. He'll hear God, and he'll tell me what I'm supposed to do, and then I'll have clarity, and I can kind of move forward. Well, I went and prayed with him, and, and I got no answers. I got encouragement. There was friendship that was there. I didn't feel like I was alone, but he didn't know what I was supposed to do. And he told me that. He's like, Jory, I don't know what you're supposed to do, but I know that God's going to lead you well. And he did what he should have done, and he directed me back to my Savior rather than trying to be a proxy for me. The thing that I want more than anything for us as a fellowship is that we would be people who have our own intimacy and that we can interact with God in such a way that we can hear his voice. It's time to press in so that we can hear the voice of God. And if you're ready to press on from the difficulty of the last season of your life and into the glory of what God has for you next, it's time to press in. 
And so what does your reach look like? You know, I talked to you about that last Sunday. And we talked about how we need to, to forget the things behind and we need to strain forward. We need, and that word means to reach. What does your reach in this moment of your life look like? And I just want to give you a couple of suggestions. But it's, the, it's what you make of it that really matters. Regularly feed your soul. Read your Bible, find a Bible reading plan that's going to kind of help you work through the Bible. I would encourage everybody to do that. Find a podcast to listen to that would help you to, to, to stoke the fire of your passion for Jesus. Get a new worship song that you just keep on repeat. Whatever it takes for you to begin to feed and nourish your soul, do that. There's a lot of things that happen in the year that kind of distract us and pull us away from our habits, our good habits. And this is a great time to realign yourself and go, okay, I've kind of gotten away from some things, but I need to start carving out a time to nourish my soul. Second thing is set aside time to pray and fast. Not only to nourish yourself, but you need to communicate with God. I have been a proponent as long as I've been your, your pastor of fasting. And I would encourage you to fast on a semi-regular basis. And it does not have to be hard and grueling. I'm not calling you to go on a 40-day fast where you just drink water. That'd probably be a bad place to start. But maybe if you skipped lunch one day and you read your Bible. I've done this different... I'm not here to put a yoke and a burden on you that you're not, you're not supposed to carry, but I've done this different ways all throughout different times of my life. I've, I've designated Tuesday as a fast day for me, and I don't do that anymore. I've done, we just came off of a 10-day fast um, I, that's what I did it, stepping into January. And so whatever that looks like for you, fasting and praying is something that you do to tune your heart to what God is saying. To get the distractions out of the way and listen. That's all I'm encouraging you to do. Don't make it something that's a, a, a boast and a badge. Make it something that's very functional in your life so that you can move the noise out of the way and listen because he wants to talk to you. And here's the last thing that I'll say, and I want to invite you. I already invited you to Deeper on Wednesday night. But that's one of the reasons we're doing what we're doing this Wednesday is to give you an opportunity to hear God, to have prophetic teams come in. The more that you avail yourself to that environment, the better you get at doing it yourself. Sometimes I need somebody to... I don't want anybody to be the proxy for me, but sometimes I need somebody to model it for me so I can learn how to do it. And that's what Wednesday night's going to be all about, is, is it's going to be a time where we set the atmosphere in worship to where we can hear God and glorify Him, but glorify Him to the place where intimacy happens and we draw in, press in to hear Him. But then we're also going to have some teams here that are, that are going to minister to individuals that want to do that and bring a prophetic voice into what you're going through right now. Amen? If you would stand with me this morning. Corey, can I have one of those, please? Thank you. We're going to take communion. If you need some elements, if you'll just raise your hand, we have some ushers that would love to get those to you. There's some back in the back over there. If you'll just get those ready.
I want to pray, and, and this is the thing that I want you to, to, to meditate on and focus on today as we take communion. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, we read that today. On that moment, whenever Jesus was betrayed, whenever Jesus went out and sold Jesus to, unto death, Jesus took these elements and he instituted communion. And in that same supper was the supper where John was intimately laying on Jesus' chest and postured to listen to what he had to say. He could hear him. Here's the thing that I want you to remember today. We were commanded to do this in remembrance of what he did on the cross. And what he did on the cross as you take this bread and you take this cup is he provided a way for you and for me to come into a relationship of intimacy with God. See, we were disqualified from that relationship through our own sin. But that disqualification has been removed whenever we put faith in what he's done. And so I want you to remember that today. And listen to me. If you've never put your faith in who Jesus is in your life, now's a great moment. Now's a great time. Now's a great time to put your trust in who he is and to experience that intimacy in your own life. So I want you to take this bread and I want you to, to, to take this cup and I want you to consume it and I want to pray over us this morning. I thank you that you've paid the price, that you've given your son. And I thank you, Jesus, that you have accepted our cross, our punishment upon yourself. Lord, I pray that this year would be a year that we would not leave any intimacy with you on the table. That we would devour it all, that we would take advantage of all of the relationship with you that's available to us. And if there's anybody who's in this room that does not have a relationship with you, Holy Spirit, I pray that you begin to draw them in. Draw them into a relationship with the God of the universe. Draw them into a relationship with Jesus, the, one, the only one who is worthy to be sitting on the throne of their heart. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.